Alex Simmons, it's Chris Ryan, and we are here to tell a damn story. And we got uh, it is a weekend where stories have to be told. How are you, sir? I am I am well. I am well. Uh, you know, just to start it off in <laughs> positive in the positive. Are, are you though? <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna say to start it off in the positive, you know, the sun is shining, the birds are singing. Uh, I have a roof over my head. There's food uh, in the refrigerator. And at the moment, my family is safe. So having said all of that, there's there's a lot of other things going on that make me feel less than well. Yes. So that's, that's the reality of that. That's a portion of that reality. And listen, it's a consuming portion of the reality. And it's it's... It's the topic that has to be discussed, you know? What yeah. was what was one person's murder became one city's pain, became thirty-seven cities pain, became um, you know, a ringing stabbing reminder that America is a racist country and we are here once again facing this. And it's it's disingenuous for me as a white man to say that because I'm once again facing it. But what I hear more and more is that uh, this is an everyday, this is a constant, this is a second nature reality uh, for Black America. Well, you know, it's it's a reality. And and again, folks, uh, you know, tell the damn story, how to tell stories, all of that sort of stuff. Chris and I constantly, as as artists processing our lives yeah. and our experiences and then reflecting a lot of that, whatever the opinions may be, through our work. So, you know, as a human being and as a writer, both, uh, I certainly am looking at everything that's going on from the, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep uh, as not only life, but also as reflecting life. And, you know, as a as a black man uh, raised in the United States um, for more years than I don't than I feel the need to count off at the moment, uh, I was born during the era uh, prior to the civil rights movement. I mean, literally, you know, everybody talks about the 60s and the igniting of the civil rights movement and, 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 and the protest marches and all that. And I was born about 10 years before all that started. And so. There's my mother and my grandmother who shared with me a lot of what came before. Plus there's what I saw growing up, moving into the civil rights movement. And then there's all these years that I've seen since. And it is a sad statement, really sad statement, that so much that was done during the 60s is being undone now and even more distressing is the reality that a lot of people who could have spoken up about what happened in the 30s and 40s regarding you know not only racism but fascism fascism uh, fascist aspects you know let me not pronounce the word too poorly uh, neo-nazism and nazism and and oppression on people who could have spoken from their childhood experiences and their growing experiences are no longer with us mm-hmm. so the voices that could have said some of this nonsense i'm sorry that's what i went to war and fought they're not even here 
a lot of the black families, both in the military and outside the military from the 30s and 40s and 50s, are, many of them are not here to speak about those times and what happened and what it felt like. And the people of my generation, you know, a few of them have died off. But, I mean, the re reality is, you know, many of us are here now and some of us are looking at this and going, what the hell? And others are going, well, what's the problem? <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's sad. I have kids, you know, and they're, they're out there now in the world trying to figure out where they fit in and how to make a difference. And I certainly know my wife and I raised them to be good human beings, to be decent people who try to earn their way through the world, not take, not steal, not, not expect, but earn their way in the world. And to have the mounting reflection of non-authority figures, let alone authority figures, Stepping in and going, nah, I don't think so. This is, you know, what, what, what was all those other years for? And I'm not one who gives up. I'm just, just not who I am. And I'm also not violent. I'm, I'm just not, a, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not capable of it. I'm saying that's never been my first choice. Never. I don't want it to be my first choice. I do understand the fury and the anger and all of that. And I have felt enough of the insults and the restrictions and things to deeply want change, not just aesthetically, not philosophically, but deeply want change. I wanted it for myself when I was growing up, and I want it for my family. But the question becomes, what, what's the plan? What do we do? And how do we, how do we, how do we change any of this if we're not able to talk about it. If, and I don't mean I'm not, you know, once again, you know, we, we take in, we reflect, we, we communicate or we don't. I'm totally capable of communicating. And there are other people out there totally capable of it. But when the divisiveness becomes the rule of thumb, when ignorance becomes the red badge of courage and people cannot talk about it without, you know, one or two words or sentences, and then suddenly it's expletives, it's cursing, it's 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 physical, it's it's no, I'm right, you're wrong, absolutely, there is no middle ground. When all of that becomes the rule, when madness becomes the rule, then how do we fix it? And I and I'm one of those people, you know, who believes that there there's certainly enough people out there who would rather we didn't fix it. So the madness, the confusion, the anger, the frustration, and COVID, all of that, yeah. oh that's that's working out for a whole bunch of folks really well. And I think we got to get our heads on straight. I think we all have to get our heads on straight. It's, uh, I, I agree with you. And uh, I'm struggling in, in case people have forgotten which one of us is which. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the paler of the partners, and um, I'm the prettier one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and you know, I'm watching. Uh, you know, I'm a former journalist from, from a long time ago, and um, when stories like this hit, I, I get glued to news sources, and I'm watching. And I'm a teacher now, and it's extremely difficult to teach during COVID. And all I keep saying is, how? 
Mm. How do you teach them? What do you say? And what can you say? I have a very diverse class, classes, and uh, what can a aging white man say that will make sense to them, you know? And uh, I told you a story before we started, so I'll tell it here. You know, I had like a, like a 13 second, 13 second window into the difference, you know? Uh, but between the life you need and the life that your students or, or people like myself. Yeah, the, the, you know, yeah. uh, the differences in, in divided racist America, you know? Uh, it was a while ago, uh, a couple of years now, but um, I had been writing. It was early in the morning or, uh, you know, early enough in the morning. And, you know, after you put in a couple hours of writing, uh, I got to move. I have to move. So I throw on my sneakers, throw on a sweatshirt and, and went for a walk. Now, I teach at Hackensack High School. And one of the things you do when you're a teacher is... You know, you buy the T-shirt, you buy the sweatshirt and all that stuff. So I was wearing, I think it's a Hackensack football sweatshirt. It's old and beat up and uh, a gray hoodie. And I had the hood up and my headphones on. I was probably listening to a podcast. And I may or may not have had my hands in the in the pouch. But I'm just, you know, there's a, a kind of a circle uh, in front of my house, you know, that you can walk. If you do it four times, you're about a mile. So that's easy mm-hmm. enough. You don't really have to think about it. And, you know, you got story in the back of your mind and some podcast in the front of your mind, and now off you go, just let your body move. And all of a sudden, there's a squad car next to me. So I turn because I come from a family of cops, and I've been taught, you know, by my father, uh, who was a cop for 28 years, how to. Uh, interact with police and it's always with ut- utmost respect because you know uh, so as I turned I saw the shock register on their face and I slowly raised, took my hands where they could see them and pointed to my ears and made the motion that I want to take my earphones off and they nodded and I took my headphones off and they said what are you doing in, in this neighborhood Okay. That was the ex- ex- entire exchange. You know, right at that moment, I was like, "This is what my students and you know and 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 uh, uh, Black America deals with every mo- you know almost every day, almost every day." Because in the 14th section, second, my white privilege was able to uh, 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 emerge because I said. I'm a homeowner here and vice, prince, uh, vice president of this town's board of education. If you'd like to walk about a quarter, you know, eighth of a mile back, I'll show you my house and get you my ID. Or you could call the chief of police who knows me because we've talked about films I do here. And the guy's response was, oh, oh. Sorry, it must have been your sweatshirt. Somebody saw you and got worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, here's yeah. here's here's the other thing. Hoodie up, okay, right? They make that move. You turn, okay. Ooh, white guy, old white guy. So old white guy. Yeah, double <laughs> double no threat, double no threat. 
But had you been a black man, old or not, yes. you didn't have your ID on you? Right. I mean, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's the and that's the gaping abyss, you know, between between the shattered racist America. We don't understand enough, and it is our responsibility to understand. But we don't understand enough the difference. If we swapped places, and you, my friend, beloved that you are. We're walking the same neighborhood, owning the same house, with that sweatshirt and no ID, how would it have turned out? Might have been way different. And I say might because that's how my head is. I have, and I'll tell my quick story, very quick, because really a lot of this is, is, is about the reflecting of these types of stories over the decades. At least that's where I'm going to partially go with this. But I was... Um, this is guys, and I'm going to keep with what do I tell my kids? Yeah, this is this is going <laughs> back some 20, 30 years, really. Uh, I was in a theater group because that, you know, that was a portion of my life was performing. I was in a theater group, a traveling theater group. We were in North Carolina and uh, we were in Tryon, North Carolina, as a matter of fact. And it was our first day there. We performed. We'd done the show. And we wanted to go out that evening, just have, you know, a drink or two and, and, and just sort of relax. And I'm the only black in a, a company, a theater company of eight people. And so I don't know what it's like now, but back in those days, the sidewalks of beautiful, wealthy Tryon, North Carolina rolled up around seven. <laughs> that was it. You know, it was all off. Yeah. And someone told us, oh, well, there's this tavern or this bar just across the tracks. And they were literal. They were there were railroad tracks, and you had to go across those tracks to get to this what looked like uh, a tractor trailer truck cap, not the cabin, but yeah, yeah, that's what they call it, the cabin. The the, the storage end of it uh, had been planted somewhere, and there was a front door and no windows. And I said, oh, so we went there, you know, sort of skeptically, but we went there and we walked in, and it was um, it was it, we were in the south. Okay, let me just put it that way. We were in the South, and it was almost like, and I mean no offense to the folks of, 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 of Tryon, but this was the down-to-earth common folks, the, 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 the people of, of the earth, all white, by the way. And there were booths on our right, and the bar ran the length of this thing on the left, and there was a room with an open door in the back, you know. And immediately two of the actors with me were going, Alex, quick, sit down, sit down. As if no one would notice me if I sat down among them. And I said, you know, A, we're here. B, you know, if anything's going to jump off, my sitting with you is not going to stop it. And a part of me, wise or stupid, either way, was saying, until there's a problem, there's not a problem. Now, again... As a black man raised in the United States, and I'd had some situations, not a lot, but some, that may have been the absolute worst thing I could have done or said. I could have left and said, hey, I'm going to head back to where we're staying. Let's leave. I could have said any of those things, but I didn't. And to make a long story, which is fairly interesting, short, um, by the time we left, there had been one man who actually looked like he was about to say something. He got smacked by a patron in there. 
which stopped him from saying, there was a woman, by the way, she got away with it. And then she proceeded to tell me her life story, which I hadn't asked. And again, because she looked sort of like Daisy Dukes, she was, you know, with the torn off, cut off jeans and all that. It, it, I'm sure there were thoughts going through that place. I have no idea what was on the minds of most of the men in that room, but nothing went down. And by the time we left, there were people talking to us. There were people who knew that we were in town to entertain their kids, blah, 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 blah. Now, yes, that could have turned into an ugly scenario. I could have disappeared. Any number of foul things could have happened. Any number of them. And I was aware of it. Why I chose to do what I did at that time, I do not know, other than that's the way I approach life. You're not my enemy until you're my enemy. The moment you're my enemy, it's a different dialogue. And even then, I'm hoping it's a dialogue. Or we leave. We don't need to communicate. I may not have had that opportunity had those others not been with me. I don't know. I've been in situations where I was the only one there and I didn't know anybody else and blah, blah, blah. And I have friends who've been in situations where it did not go well at all. The thing that my travels, both here and abroad, have taught me, have reinforced in me, has, has underscored what my family taught me when I was growing up, is you present yourself respectfully, proudly. You, you are polite, not submissive, polite. You are professional. You set the meter at which you want to be seen. And then you see what people do with that and then function accordingly. And what bothers me, obviously, is, is when people lose their minds and on both sides, lose their minds and you can't communicate and you're not even thinking about communicating beyond shouting words at each other, which means you're not listening. And then everything goes to hell. Now, everything goes to hell. And we're better than that. We're supposed to be better than that. And, you know, and that's another thing, too. The, 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 the term, and this is going to probably make me everybody's dartboard for the next you know, 20 minutes or more. Um, as a writer, I'm real careful about word choices. You know, I, you know, when I go to write whatever, whether it's dialogue, descriptions, uh, statements, personal statements, uh, introduction letters, whatever it is, I'm trying to choose the right words. Uh, as someone who has to do marketing and all that, I'm constantly aware, and I'm sure everybody out there is aware of what branding is. You know, labels, catchphrases, sound bites, all of those things. And, and I think that, you know, there's certain words that immediately come, that immediately set, I'm on the opposite side of you, I'm, I'm your aggressor, or I'm your enemy, uh, I'm, I'm your opposite number. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about some of the branding that we're dealing with now, because I think certain words and certain phrases uh, are in, immediately meant to trigger. You know, it's like... Yeah, you know, immediately meant to trigger. Um, I think there's racism in America. I know that. I, geez, God, I know that. You know, I, I know that the system that runs this country, you know, those in power 
definitely those in power definitely want to maintain power. How they do it individually and collectively is a question. I think people who side with somebody who is divisive and 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 bigoted and and hostile and and all of the negativities that one can think of, that says who you are. Now, if you're only doing it because it's it's advantageous to your pocketbook, I'm sorry, you're still supporting all the other negatives. Subsequently, you're okay with that. But if, you know, I'm saying they're okay with that. They're still saying it's all good. You know, uh, if you're or, not, you know what? back off of that. I'm or, sorry. What? Or, or being told, yeah, but the economy is, you know, economy yeah, but, is going yeah, great. It's 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 I mean, like that's not an excuse. You're right. That's it's like black folks saying, "Well, look what they did to us for 200 years. There's no way anything's going to change." And I go, "Oh, really? Yeah. Really? You well, know, someone says, you know, is race it's it's racist America, so why bother?" I'm going, "Oh, really? Why vote? Well, oh, really? You know, I, then why get up in the morning? Yeah. You know, I want to I want to tie a few of these things together and then read something for you. Okay. Bedtime? Um, no, no. No, okay. Not yet. Okay. Well, you know, you were talking about, you know, certain things that people are saying and certain phrases. And those are, uh, I think they're code. And I think they're meant to divide. And I think they're meant to to, uh, rephrase or redefine what America is, you know. How to, you know, bring back, you know, those great days and all that stuff. So I want to read a poem. Okay. You know what? It, I'll read a section of it. Okay. Let America be America again. That's a familiar phrase these days. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be the great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scream, scheme, excuse me, that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. And I could go on from there, but I think you get the idea. And that's mm-hmm. that's from Langston Hughes, who wrote from the 1920s to the 1960s. And one of the things we were talking about was, you know, this this podcast, Tell the Damn Story, is primarily about... Uh, how creatives react to the world. And we said early on that, you know, everything around us we use as as fuel for our creativity, you know. And in talking pre-show, you and I were able to name 10, 20 specific stories, novels, movies, television episodes, now this poem, songs, you know, we went from Marvin Gaye to Prince. We went from Mod Squad to the Twilight Zone, the current Twilight Zone. We went from early movies to the, you know, things that are out right now. Mm-hmm. 
So then we come and say, how do we tell the damn story? What do we say? Where does it go? What, what do we do? You know, I spoke with my students on Friday and one of them quoted Martin Luther King. You know, and this is a quote that I've seen all weekend. Riots gives voice to the unheard or rioting gives voice to the unheard. Yeah, Martin Luther said that. Martin Luther King, excuse me, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He deserves his entire title. But mm-hmm. that was not the core of his philosophy or his uh, movement. You know, and before anyone starts quoting Malcolm by any means necessary, you know, and then depicting him with that machine gun again, that was not the core of Malcolm. Both of them was the strength and belief of the individual and the group. Now, Martin did it with, you know, nonviolent social change, and Malcolm did it with a crisp, unified strength. That scared the bejesus out of white America. But they both were about thinking through how they wanted to present themselves and what they wanted to accomplish. And that, that's, those are the questions that, I, that have been haunting me this weekend. Yeah. What is the thinking that has to go on and what is the plan? How do, what do I say to these students that are looking at this and saying that it, nothing will ever change and we might as well burn it all down? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about that because, you know, I, I like you. Please do. I, <laughs> like you, um, I also, you know, teach, you know, part of what I do is teaching. Uh, and, and I have the, the privilege of, of working with students, depending on which class, ranging from 18 to, to 55 or 60, because I teach screenwriting uh, through a film course uh, academy. And we have these dialogues. And, and the other, again, really inspiring thing is that these, these students are from different countries as well as the United States. And so each class, you get a mixed bag of folks, age range, gender, life choice, culture, nationality, religion. And the dialogues may predominantly be about writing, screenwriting, storytelling, but it's also about life and growing up and experiences. And one of the things that comes through, certainly with me standing at the head of the class, is that there are universal stories. There are things that no matter what culture you come from, just basic things that we all go through. Maybe how we approach it, resolve it, you know, ignore it, live with it, whatever, may differ because of the, the, the geographic location or the cultural religious um, standards. But they're still indigenous to all of us as human beings. And Watching these, a, a number of these students connect with people unlike them for the first time is, is beautiful. And it tells me, you know, it's, it's not me walking around. It's not 
You know, a lot of my friends come from so many different countries and so many different backgrounds. And, 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 and then there are people like you and I who grew up here in New York, you know, a few years apart. But we are also able to communicate uh, pro and con on things because we come from a certain core value. I think that there's so much more possibilities for us as human beings to, to dialogue, to communicate, to reason. And I think what's happening is that there's just a faction. Unfortunately, seems like every continent comes with a certain section of them. But there's just a faction of those on high who understand that if people actually communicate, if people actually, I'm not saying we all have to love each other, but if we actually even figure out, okay, so this is what you do, this is what I do, it's cool as long as I don't infringe on I mean, literally infringe on. You want a job? You should have a job. You want an education? You should have an education. Not a problem, okay? But as long as we just show some common decency and respect, we should be able to work through a lot of stuff. Well, gee, now those on high don't have the same kind of power over us. And so they don't forget how to play the game. We do. And that becomes where not having a plan, not thinking things through, not being aware of who your allies are, makes it easier for them to win. And you just read something, and, and I'm just going to read a quick line from uh, a poem with music. I'm not going to sing. I'm sorry about that, folks. Not this time. Um, the Constitution, a noble piece of paper, would free society. It struggles but then died in vain. And now democracy is ragtime on the corner, hoping for some rain. And I see the robins perched in barren treetops. They're watching last ditch racists marching across the floor. But just like the peace sign that vanished in our dreams, neither had a chance to grow. And that's from Gil Scott Heron's Winter in America. Yeah. And that's like how many years ago? You know, you mentioned. Gil, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Didn't Gil Scott Heron also do uh, the revolutionary? And the revolution will not be televised. He was a member of the Last Poets. So yes, yeah. yes, uh, and that was that uh, was rap before it was rap. <laughs> you know. Well, but I think. I think it, it, it's worth rem remembering that now because everything is televised mm. or TikTok or FaceTime or this or that and how we use it, you know? I'm well, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame, you know, and once again, yeah, yeah, well, what's but, the message? But that's, that's right. That's the message because, I mean, that's the, that's the core because the message is getting muddied. You know, you see, the, the, yesterday is a great example. In the morning, the reports are peaceful demonstrations. 37 cities in America had peaceful gener uh, demonstrations and protests that started with people walking and holding signs and chanting and getting their message across. By the afternoon, the, the crowds were much bigger but they weren't all doing the same thing. Mm. You know, suddenly there's kids, uh, some young uh, people are, are writing F the pigs and uh, F the police and 
jumping on squad cars and smashing squad cars. And that just gives the, the mindset that killed George Floyd and what? I don't know how many others that we could list. You want to go back to 10 years? You're going to have 25 to 100 names. You want to go back further? Go back four or 500 years. The list is almost endless. And let me just ask you to clarify. Let me ask you to clarify something, Chris, because I I know what you meant, but I want to make sure people know what you meant. When you said that just gives the mindset, would you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yes, yes. The the mindset of racist America who looks at darker skin and says criminal, inferior, other, enemy. That's, uh, That's a reality. And that's reality that I don't have to tell people with brown skin about because I'm a white guy. What the hell do I know about anything? But, you know, I'm by the power invested in me in the state of New Jersey, I'm a teacher too. And I have to say something to these kids. And one of the things I'm going to have to say is you have to be clear. Who's helping and who's not? Because if you're jumping on a squad car or lighting a squad car on fire, that's not the same message as the morning where everyone was protesting with a clear message. If is it that they got fed up and they changed? Well, then I'm listen, I'm willing to learn, you know. And the same thing when you know oh, we're going to strike out at, at at the power structure. Well, then why did they strike out at Nike and go and grab some sneakers and run off? It's not the same message. And we have to be very, very careful. And I think it was the chief of police in Minneapolis. We were talking yes, about this yes, before. We said, yes. you know, most of the people that were arrested were not, did not live in this state. Who are they? Where are they coming from? And who's sending them? Yeah. yeah you got to be it, very careful. You know, it's funny that a number of of of, of my brethren, especially uh, younger ones, um, quote from the Art of War. Uh-huh. The Art of War, Sun Tzu. It's, it's uh, you know. Yeah, I know, I know the Art of War. Yeah, you know, but they quote from it, and and yet I think they forget the whole point of it. It's all planning. It's all strategy. It's because mm-hmm. conflict is not new. It's it's as old as human, you know, existence. Sure. And and strategy is strategy. And again, I'm not saying strategize your violence because, again, that's not me. You know, I understand, like you were saying, you're talking about the teenagers who are smashing me. I was a teenager once, may have been many moons ago, but I was. I understand when when the frustration I mean, let's let's face it, most teenagers, most young people, what you have an abundance of is energy. You have an abundance of power. You have an abundance of the sense of immortality. Mm-hmm. All right, so you use that. You don't have an abundance of experience navigating through harsh waters. Even if you grew up on the streets, you know that, but maybe you haven't been taught how to think things through. So for me, it's like, think about what you're doing. And I'm saying the same, you know, I'm saying this to the young because I mean, that's impulse drive. A lot of that is impulse. But even even the, the, you know, the adults, the older adults, you know, think about what is your goal? 
if the goal is to get a message across that's, you know, that this has got to stop, then what's your plan? And if your plan is we got to strike back, well, okay, you know, I hear you. But I see that as feeding them, feeding them the ammunition they need to make it worse. Alex, let's let's yep. talk about striking back for a minute. Let's tra- talk about it, and we'll go back to one of the one of the core things, uh, writing things, right, or creating things. You know, they tell you write what you know. And Robert Rodriguez, yeah, uh, he wrote. He said, "Well, you know, write about what you have access to." You know, when he did Mariachi, he had a guitar, a turtle, and I forget what his third thing was. Um, so uh, he wrote about a mariachi, and it, it was his, it was where he kind of broke out. But what you know, what does Black America have access to? You know, it may not be the richest ethnic group in America, but it spends money. Pay attention to where you're spending that money, and if they are racist, or if they are aligned with racist interests. Spend that money elsewhere. If they are, you know, we got to find out, and we can do it with the Google machine. Who knows? Who's who's aligned with who? You know, and we got to be careful because anyone can say words. We saw a stone racist call himself an ally of Black America yesterday. <laughs> stone racist. Nobody, nobody who 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 knows anything believe that quote. Right? But you know what? That happens in advertising and that happens in marketing all the time. We have to figure out, you know what? Find out where they spend their money. If they spend their money on certain political campaigns, they don't get our business. If they spend their money in certain circles, they don't get our business. Because those circles are happy to divide America and happy to take the money. Let me let me also going back to um, choice of words and 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 stories and reflecting life. You mentioned earlier that pre-show we were talking about and listed a number of different examples of different films and books and so forth that that took on social topics in life. You know, you can go back to um, Frank Capra in the, in the 40s and the films he did. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Mr. Deeds goes to town. Um, there's a movie called um, Sullivan's Travels, Preston Sturgis, which involves Joel McRae, who was like definitely a star of white America at that time, but, you know, people knew him. He was a movie movie actor of, of, of great fame, but he plays a director who produces films and everything and is, does comedies and wants to do a film about society and social injustice, and, but he doesn't know anything about it. He's never lived it. So he goes on a walkabout, you know, to try and learn. And there's all these things that are commented on and that he experiences in the film. And it's, it's you know, it's made in the, in the late 30s, early 40s. But Preston Sturgis wanted to write about those things. You can jump forward to uh, Mersh, and I forget the other producer's name, it's not on the tip of my tongue, in the heat of the night, in the 60s, with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. Yeah. 
know, and, and then you can, you can move forward from that to any number of other stories. And if you want to talk about, again, something that doesn't say immediately racism or doesn't say immediately uh, terrorist or international bigotry or anything, The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the comic, the graphic novel started it, but now everybody and his mother knows the TV series, plural, mm-hmm. exists, right. and millions upon millions of watchers. I think it might have even had a bigger watch, uh, a bigger rating than than uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know, but again, it's still out there, and mm-hmm. I know people who watch that because it's a statement about society. It's about zombies, well, yeah, but you know, it's making all kinds of statements about society. Yeah, well. Things. If if we're not thinking, we're all zombies. Yep. And uh, also, I, will, I, will, I, I was going to give the goddess a shout out. So let me let me just get this one out here quickly. Uh, you and I were talking about a film that I couldn't remember the name of, starring Denzel Washington, uh, Tony Shalhoub, and Bruce Willis. Came out several years ago, and the goddess immediately hit the keyboards and came up with the title. It was called The Siege. And that was about terrorism, but it was also about racism because one of the FBI agents investigating the bombings and everything is played by Tony Salute, whose family is Middle Eastern, but he's an American FBI agent. And even his son gets pulled into an instant internment camp in Manhattan because of what's going on. And he questions, what the hell am I doing wearing this badge if my own child gets pulled into this? So there's, you know, we. I, I would go. I would add. I would add Jordan Peele's work over the last five, ten years. Yeah. You know, his, yep, his yep, two yep, movies yep, yep. and his Twilight Zone work, and to bring it up to really, really, very, very, very current. Yesterday, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin uh, recorded uh, episode 284. Oh, Fat, of, uh, Fat Man. Fat Man Beyond. Yeah. And if uh, it's a podcast, and if you haven't heard it. Uh, you can hear it uh, anywhere you hear podcasts or What's the episode? Do the video uh, on uh, YouTube. Uh, episode 284, it's the latest one. And they have a conversation uh, about kind of the same stuff we're having, but you get to hear Mark Bernardin and, uh, and, uh, and his wisdom and Kevin Smith and his uh, honesty, you know. Um, that's kind of how that particular episode uh, uh, falls in. Sometimes Smith's got his wisdom in there too, but it's a Mark Bernard heavy. And even if you listen to the first 42 minutes, uh, it's something not to be missed. And there are important, you know, there are intelligent conversations going on everywhere. And that's what we need to have. Two of my friends, Kasim Gaines and uh, Tony Jackson, uh, local hack sack guys. Uh, they had a great conversation about this. And, and, you know, the key thing is to, you know, clear-headed intelligence is going is going to be what what moves the country forward. You know, this country I, is and I, has been. May I say something? That, yeah, you can I, say I, whatever I, you want, brother. I, well, thank you, sir. Um, Free country, damn it. So, yeah, kind theoretically. Of. Kind of, yeah, right. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so here's, here's that thing, that, that conversation, that balance, that pointing fingers and not pointing fingers, because really when you point fingers, you can do a 360. Mm-hmm. You know, there's folks on both sides or all around us that are screwing up as well as trying to fix it. So here, here's, here's an example of what I mean about thinking before you pull a trigger, before you throw a bomb, before you smash something. Um, as Again... One of the things I do, one of the things I've loved to do throughout 
much of my adult life is is turn around and share the creative experience with with children and and teens, young people. And I was privileged to meet a young lady, uh, a little girl actually, but you know I'm going to give her the respect that's due. To meet a young lady uh, just a few years ago, maybe like two, three years ago in New Jersey. I was doing an arts, creative arts program there, uh, teaching kids in the fifth grade to create their own comic strips. You know, and it wasn't about, oh, these are going to be the next comic book heroes and inventors and all, uh, creators rather. That's, that wasn't what it was about. It was about helping kids realize that your imagination is valid, that imagining your future, imagining things that don't exist in front of you at the moment, or thinking, what if I do this and what if I aspire for that is valid. So using comics and creating something out of nothing, you can draw it, you can write it, you know, and suddenly there it is, it's real, it's yours. That's the technique, that's the reason for that. So anyway, I got to work with this young lady and she was not only just wonderful to work with on that project, but she would, you know, you turn around sometimes, you see her helping her peers, you know, classmates next to her, somebody across the room or whatever. And I only knew her in that classroom. But later I learned from uh, the school's guidance counselor and from some of the teachers that that's what she did in the math class. That's what she did in the history class. This little girl had this mind that was just hungry for knowledge and was sharing whatever she gained with the others around her because that's who she was. And she was with a family, her family uh, at a park there in her, her town. And she went down the block with her cousin, her little cousin, to a little, little store. It's just a few feet down the block. And on her walk back, some young man who had been fed another way of life had to do something to prove that that was valid and just popped off a few rounds and she was gone. Gone, just like that, just gone. This was the girl from your class? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no racism involved. Now, one could go onto the higher plane and say, because of the racist society, blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is, that young man had been fed a certain amount of information, certain belief system, was living a certain lifestyle, and he made a choice. And because of that choice, both those lives are gone. She's dead, and he's incarcerated, and Lord knows what has happened to him since that situation. And yeah, we can, we can backtrack that to the system that creates the environment and so forth and so on, but we must, we human beings must take responsibility for our actions. Because then you, you take back some of that power that we supposedly lost. You acknowledge that you have that power. And maybe it will cost you. I have, I've had students who had to fight their way out of a gang or, or couldn't get out of a gang or got locked up because of a gang and because of the neighborhood they're into and so forth. And I get that. I'm, I'm not pretending that I understand what it's like. But I also have met some young men who went through whatever it took to clean their lives up. I've met young men who had teachers, white teachers, tell them that, you know, don't worry about graduating from high school. Uh, when when the time comes, I'll get you. I'll get you a contact, and you can get a job somewhere. And you can don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And and I watched those. I met those two young men. These two that I'm thinking about, 
because they made their way through a, a, a small blizzard to come out of their community up in the Bronx down to a high school in Manhattan because they'd heard about it to talk to somebody to try and get transferred to that school because their guidance counselor at their school had told them don't bother. That's, that's the fortitude that's out there. And for those who are thinking people of color don't have that, wrong. For people of color who are thinking why bother? Wrong. Take that. And it's not, you know, it, you can say that. And it is important for black America and, and you know, this generation to not give up, to not say, ah, why bother? You're right. You're right. But as far as racism con is concerned, I'll quote Mark Bernard. That is white America's problem. They have to fix it. They have to elevate their thinking. They have to educate themselves. They have to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like no like a like a family with with violence in it or alcoholism in it or whatever. That's a cycle. You have to break it. America is sick. And it needs to get well. And the only way for it to get well is the people who are suffering from it have to be the ones to get the help they need to change. Now, you know, I'll be the first one to start, you know, start saying, oh, it's not me, but, you know, it's all of us. We all have to reflect and say, okay, where might I be going wrong? And where may I be jumping uh, uh, to conclusions and assumptions? And where may I be uh, living, uh, uh, leaning on the laurels of, uh, and, the, and the, the luxuries of white privilege where I could be more fair? And, and, and where here, I could yes. exercise change, you know? As, as creatives, as creatives, because again, you're, you're right. In, in, in much of what you said there. And I think, again, two things that go through my head as, as a creative and speaking to creatives. I mentioned earlier about branding and, and we've used the phrase a lot in this episode, you know, uh, um, racist America or America, you know. I would even question, is there a point where we stop saying racist America and, and, and actually even narrow down the focus to racist Americans? Because racist America is a big banner. Yeah. And a lot of folks look at that and go, well, what the hell can I do? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a country. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, A, you know, whatever you, however you want to look at this, it's not the country, it's, it's the Americans who are racist. It's, it's, it's individuals who are racist. It's a system that is built on to, or to support that. And yes, as you said, white Americans who are complacent or, or haven't decided one way or the other or are nervous about, yeah, you need to deal with it. Racist Americans need to deal with it. Now, they may not feel they need to. They may not feel they need to change, you know, and I think that's something that, that's a whole nother discussion. But you, you got you to hold the light up, though. You yeah. know, you can't be, you know, I'm not a racist because I, I have a black friend. <laughs> or I employ, I employ a, a, a 
you know, black people or, or brown people. That's not what makes you a racist or not a racist. It's the mindset. It's the actions that speak louder than words. And just because you give somebody a job because you need to, you know, balance the books and say, all right, look, you know, don't, don't file a, a, a complaint about us as racist. We have representation. Representation does not a, a negate racism. Yeah, we have one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and you know there's somebody out there saying, well, I have three, so I'm clear. No! <laughs> right? It's hard work. It's hard work, you know. My grandmother, who, uh, trust me, was black, um, used to say, as one of those, those saged bit of wisdoms that only the old and some of those who were raised in the South seemed to be uh, gifted with at that time in my life, um, was that when you can't laugh, they've won. And I used to wonder, what the heck are you talking about? And certainly, even as I talk about this subject matter and I say that, I come up with that, I'm sure somebody's going, what are you talking about? What's there to laugh about? Yeah, well, one of them is, yeah, if you can't laugh, you can't find the humor in a thing, that's then, you know, you're, you're in, a, you're in a, a tough and, and angry place. But the other thing, too, is it's about how much power do you have over your emotions? If all you know is anger, if all you can feel is anger, if all you can feel is this pent up fury, how wise are your decisions? What decisions are you going to make? How much are you able to think clearly? Even in the military, you are taught in certain stressful situations that you've got to rein that in and focus. You're taught in combat situations that you cannot panic, you cannot work purely off of emotions. That's why there's training. And I think, you know, once again, it comes back to not only for the average person, can you, can you have a discussion? Can you think through a thing? Can you come up with a plan, blah, blah, blah. But I think also for, for creatives, what stories are we telling? What's, what are we taking in to fuel those stories, to inspire those stories? You know, what, what are we doing with our passion? You know, if, if, we're, if we're dealing with humor or satire or drama or horror or mystery or whatever, are we telling stories simply for the entertaining purposes? And I'm not knocking that at all. Or are we also putting in subtext about the human condition, which again, without making it about an issue specifically, but just people? Or are we doing stories about social injustice? What are we doing? What are we doing with those stories? What kind of stories are we telling? What kind of people are we displaying in our stories? What kind of characters are we bringing up? If we're doing science fiction, oh boy, have we got a full field to play with. Because yeah. you can do it all in sci-fi. They did it in the 50s, 60s. You can definitely do it now. Look at Star Trek. You know. So all I'm saying is, I think as creatives, and we had this episode 140 about whether or not we're obligated, I still don't believe that people should be by vir virtue of their gender or their race or their religion obligated to do stories about that. But I think that as creatives, if you feel the need to tell stories about the circumstances you or your people face, then tell it right. Yeah. yeah. And I would add one thing. And Only one? Oh, yeah. That's going to be, you know, I'm going to show some restraint. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you look at the 20s, you look at the uh, uh, the end of the 50s through the 60s, you know, and on and on. Um, every time there's a great distress in society, one of the results was great creativity. Mm, mm-hmm. And so you may not be obligated, but creatives are driven. This yeah. might be, you know. Which was a good blackjack story, by the way. It was. It was. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get off on, on, on that story, but uh, that might be one of the things that, uh, you know, can turn a horrible situation into something where we can each contribute to the advancement of the human race. Because if we, you know, if, if it doesn't at some point become about all of us, is it? You know, Sarah Silverman said the other, uh, on Twitter, I guess, yesterday, we might as well just start calling ourselves the States of America. Mm. She has a point. You know, but it's beyond just the idea of America, the idea that anyone can come here and be with enough work and all that, have the chance to be who they want to be. Now we have to work. Every one of us have to work to make that true, make that true again. You know, Uh, that I came really close to having a red hat there come out of my mouth. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm talking about the idea of America, not the con of America. Send you cards and letters to me, thank you. Um, mm. But that's about it. I want to get away from the politics of it. This is a time to, if you're going to demonstrate, demonstrate with your head first. Figure out what your plan is and do it. And remember that you can demonstrate with your wallet and with your feet and with, with your, your signature. Code. Yeah, with your signature, there is so many ways. With your vote, there are so yeah. many ways to demonstrate. And you should be demonstrating on as many of them as possible. Yeah, and, and the fight doesn't end, you know, with the end of this weekend. You know, and the fight doesn't have to be lighting a car on fire. And that I don't even, I got to tell you, you're going to have to show me proof that that was part of the movement to, to bring about justice. I, I, I think there was something else going on there, you know, just for kicks or just to see the world burn or whatever. We'll leave it there. But there's a way. I, I, you know what? I can't, I can't function as me if I give up on the belief of the, in the idea of America. And there's a way to get there. And, you know, with each of us and with each of the things that we create, we could keep moving it forward and uh, that's the reason above all else to tell the damn story it's true it is true it is true it is true um to to go um i think we're going out on a positive i i hope the listeners feel the same way uh, but to add to that or and to add to that little uh uh fond farewell um i would say that you know again universally and, and I feel blessed to have had the privilege of not only, as I said, teacher to student, working with a lot of people from different countries, but also to travel to a few countries 
uh, and to meet different people. And, and, and again, to, to, to be able to see behind the, the media and the stigma that has been presented, what people, wherever they are, are really like. And I think that that's, that's another reason to keep your eyes open, people. Keep your mind and your eyes and your ears open because you will learn far more that way about what's really happening out there, what's really going on, how, how much difference there is between us and how much similarity there is as human beings. And I think with more information, true information, honest information, genuine information, we can all make much better decisions. You might so, have to dig and work for that true yep, information, but it's yep. worth the effort. You, yeah, absolutely. A hundred and a hundred. No, a thousand percent. Ten thousand <laughs> percent. Yeah. All right, Chris, as always, crazy times, good times talking with you. Always, brother. Always. OK, and everybody a week. Yep. Remember, COVID's still out there. <laughs> yeah. What, what is that now? What was that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, we we have to be careful. You know, we we live in interesting times. So yes, be alert. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Okay, people. Please, people, people, take care of yourselves. Okay, and yeah. then take care of each other. Somebody. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Did, didn't even have to. Finish. That's teamwork. There. That's teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> take care, everybody. Bye, bye. Peace, brother. Peace.